Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another amazing podcast for the week. I'm your constant host, Hampton, along with my constant co-host, Jared. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing good. And for this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped. <laughs> um... Yeah, unfortunately, we're not doing Final Fantasy IX quite yet. That game is taking a little longer than expected, but hopefully this is a good in-between. We just had to do a bit of a quick game. Didn't want to just do no game at all, uh, but just have another random topic. So we decided to quickly play through Crash 3, and I thought it'd be kind of fun as well for us to maybe go in reverse order um, when we eventually probably end up tackling the other Crash Bandicoot games. Um, because I feel like the Crash series in particular kind of starts to get a little out of hand as, like, the later entries come in, um, especially with Crash 3. So I think it's fun to just, like, look at Crash 3 first and maybe, like, work our way backwards rather than, like, the traditional way of starting with the first game and then going all the way to the third. Um, but before we get into our topic, I thought we'd start with a little icebreaker. Um, how's your week been, buddy? How have you been doing? My week, it's been alright. I mean, I just got paid, and um, um, work was just work, I guess. I can feel you on that one. My week has been a lot of Final Fantasy IX, let me tell you. I've been trying to grind that game so that we could do an episode, but like, it is extremely, extremely long. <laughs> so, you know... Spent a night playing this game instead because we were running out of time. Um, I've been really enjoying Final Fantasy IX, though, so it should be fun when eventually I mean, we're able to do that episode. It's our first playthrough, right? That is correct. First ever. I mean, I've gotten through, like... I won't even say I got through a decent chunk. I literally barely got through anything in that game. <laughs> but, like... I didn't realize how not far I was until I started really playing it, you know? I thought I was so far, like, the first time I was ever playing it, but I never oh, even yeah. got, like, halfway through disc one. But I probably... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I probably... know something when there was, like, four discs, or...? I mean, I mean, I know yeah. you played on an emulator, but... Well, the original playthrough, I had a physical copy, and actually what's super cool is I just bought another physical copy... Um, just because I've been enjoying playing this so much, I kind of wanted to, it's, you know, we won't get to, we won't get into it for the sake of having our next episode, but like the game's got really good replayability. So I thought it'd be fun to like finish this playthrough I have on the emulator, but then to like play it in the more like traditional way. Uh, once I, you know, this time around, I'll actually know what the hell I'm doing <laughs> from the first playthrough. But, um, yeah, I actually got it for like six bucks off a seller on Amazon which was like a super sick deal. And I was a little, a little sketched out because it was coming from like a Goodwill. It was called like Goodwill California or something like that it was a seller on Amazon. And like I said, it, they were selling it for $6, but it had no description. So like basically I was rolling the dice. I had no idea what was going to come in the mail. And what ended up coming was like a complete all four discs with manuals, black label, everything was there for six bucks. Can you believe that? Um, I guess I can. I don't know. I mean, I guess people like overstate like how sketchy sellers are online, but it's been a while since I've been collecting games. 
Yeah, I mean, like, well, usually when they have the lower price tag on Amazon, it's because it's disc only. So I was expecting possibly to only get, like, the discs. And, like, I also possibly wasn't even going to get all the discs. Like, I thought maybe there'd be a disc missing or who knows. It's Goodwill, you know what I mean? Basically, they're just reselling junk from, you know, people's, like, houses or something that they just, like, turned in. So to me, it was like I was just taking a gamble on it. I mean, the game is right now like 20 or 25 bucks, maybe even 30. So like I basically just got like a complete with manuals and everything copy of Final Fantasy IX for six bucks when other people are on eBay paying like $20. Hopefully I didn't just leak a great way to freaking get it. Uh, games on the cheap. But like, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think they really knew what they had or, you know, Everyone's they're just trying to. Now. What was that? Everyone's going to be rushing to Goodwill now. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they were just trying to shovel out a bunch of inventory, and they were like, okay, random PS1 game, whatever. What does the they Amazon probably, price go for? Yeah. yeah, they were like, oh, the lowest Amazon price is, like, 6 bucks. Sure, we'll just slap it on there for $6. Fine. Even though they don't really, they didn't look far enough into it and realize that the $6 price mark was, like, usually the disc-only price mark. So... Yeah, pretty happy about it. The last time I ever went to a Goodwill. It's yeah, it's been a long time for me too. I used to go there to try to collect games, but a lot of people know. Really? Yeah. I literally only go there for like clothes and stuff. Yeah, that's I'm not going to Goodwill. Going, oh my god, I need those bargains on games. Hey, dude, it's it's hunting, but I mean, a lot of people know the tricks and stuff now. So like, your chances of going and finding like something worthwhile. Has, it used to be like decent like I used to go kind of consistently because there's a good chance to find like something for relatively cheap but nowadays it's like it's just like cleaned out like the most thing you'll find is probably like a Rugrats game and yeah probably like Rugrats Damn, and Rugrats. <laughs> like some, something I never had for my collection freaking Rugrats and like Sweet Life of Zack and Cody on GBA that's probably the, that's gonna, just gonna get <laughs> Oh man, collecting so much harder. Like everything's like so expensive now. There's yeah, that's a part really of rough. me that's kind of glad that I'm not doing it anymore. Cause God, all these prices are cutthroat nowadays. Yeah, it's really terrible. Like we've probably talked about this on a previous episode, but I just remember like buying a lot of the games that we are probably going to end up playing for this podcast back in the day for like twenty bucks at most. And you nowadays, snagged Klonoa when you had the freaking chance. Yeah, that was one that we talked about. Such a tragedy. But like a lot of those twenty dollars games are going for like sixty to a hundred now, which is super crazy. Like Parasite Eve is a hundred and twenty dollars game right now. I don't even want to look at any of those boxed on sixty four games. I'm just gonna cringe. Yeah, just honestly, all it does is make me sad. Like looking at prices. Although I do want to start building up my collection again. It's just kind of. It is, it's kind of depressing trying to build it up again, knowing that, like, I lost thousands upon thousands of dollars to the increased price rate. Yeah. It makes me want to just wait because I've been really enjoying using this emulator. It makes the games look, like, pretty amazing, actually. But, uh, you know, there's just something about having a physical copy that you can't really, like, compete with, for me at least. Um, For me, physical copies are kind of a burden because moving it all is pain in the ass yeah i mean if you're constantly moving 
I kind of agree. I kind of thought like about waiting to build my collection a little more until like I have a house or something that's more permanent because then like you're not yeah. moving. You know what I mean? There's nothing to move. It's just always going to be there. So I don't know. Yeah. Aww. Anyways, if he didn't have anything else to add, I suppose we could probably just start uh, getting into it, huh? Um, finally moving on from the intro, getting into Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped. Uh, so yeah, third entry in the series, obviously. Um, once again, it's another Naughty Dog game. I don't think I'm ever going to really want to talk about the non-Naughty Dog entries. A lot of those are pretty bad. But, you know, I think we saw... You think Naughty Cortex is bad? Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> the fourth game's pretty bad. Or that, well, used to be fourth. Now it is not. The old fourth. Try playing it again. Maybe we should do one on it, do a podcast on the fourth game, just because it's, uh, it's a bit divisive, I think, for people. But yeah, I think we saw Naughty Dog take Crash Bandicoot 3 in a direction that was, you know, a bit different. I think they were getting a little tired of, like, the same platforming formula, so it seems like they added a lot extra into here, and I can't tell if it was either that they just felt like this was the direction that they wanted to go with, or if they felt like it was because of, like, competition with other games. Like, I mean, if you look at the Spiral of the Dragon trilogy and, like, some of the stuff that, like, Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie were doing, you know, a lot of, like, the little mini-games and, like, stuff you would do for the collectibles, like, had you doing all this, like, wacky crap. Like, I remember in Spiral of the Dragon specifically, you have, like levels where you're like riding a tank in like the third game and you're like controlling a bunch of different characters in that third game too and like in Spyro 2 it's just like riddled with like little mini games like flying through rings and stuff like that like I don't know what's your what's your yeah like what what's your take on that like do you feel like that was kind of the direction Crash 3 was going in or like do you just feel like they were trying to appeal to the masses by adding a bunch of extra, like, mini-games, if you will. Um, I do think the third game is um, a lot different from the first two. Like, the levels don't really look the same. There's, like, not all those, like, levels that look like you're in South America, for example. Um, like, you're going all around the world and stuff, and maybe... Well, a lot of people like this game, and, um... I don't think it's the best one in the series. I do think 2 is better. But I do think this is a good game. Like, a great game, actually. But, um, I mean, it's also, like, God, like over 20 years old. It obviously does have, like, some aspects about it that didn't age well. And we're going to get into it here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, it's my favorite out of the trilogy. And a lot of it does have to do with, like, some of the aspects that people don't like about it which i know sounds weird and like some of those aspects i don't like either but having said that i do feel like sometimes a platformer for me needs a level here and there to change the pace a little bit because i kind of like to grind through the game and like finish it in a sitting i know that sounds kind of crazy but for me it's just a lot of fun just to play through all of crash bandicoot 3 or two or one even just in a day because they're not very long games in particular and i don't do you know do that with tv shows too a little bit you know like i can't do that i try i mean tv shows are a bit different because there's actually a time limit but there's something to just trying to beat the game like as quickly as you can in the day i don't know like 
I guess it's just a way I like to play, like replay a lot of like these older games. You should become a speedrunner. Perhaps. <laughs> Even though I absolutely hate the time trials, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. For me, it just helps when you're playing through the game like in one sitting to not have to be doing like the same kind of platforming over and over again as you're going through it. Um, I think the older ones, I mean, there's like some variety, like there's levels where you're like running towards the screen, running away from like a snowball or something like that. Yeah, I guess so, to me, the variety here is just a bit more, what's the word I'm looking for? I want to say, I, I, I want to say nuance, but I don't think that's the right word, but it's just way different than any of the platform you're doing. Running away yeah. from a snowball for me is like... Running away from it's the snowball for me. Different enough for you. Yeah, it's just platforming, but coming towards the screen, you know. Yeah, and whereas like this game, you're like riding on a jet ski and doing other stuff, like riding a plane, swimming, swimming. Yeah. And there's actually like a really really wide variety, and I think that's where the game starts to fall apart a little bit. Is I do think that when I go into a like. A world if you will because there's different little sections of this game where they're supposed to be like little time capsule worlds essentially even though i think later on as you go through the levels they start to mix together a little bit which doesn't make a whole lot of sense but basically when you see five levels and like three or two of them are always not a platforming level to me, it should be like four of them are good platforming levels, and you have like one out of the box level, if that makes sense. It almost feels like there aren't enough platforming levels. There's always, you know, like a motorcycle riding level, and then a cat riding level, and then like a water level all in one spot. And then you only have two platforming levels. And it's kind of like, well, I'm playing Crash Bandicoot to platform, I'm not really playing it for all these like weirdly designed levels that are supposed to be more of a you know a break of pace if that makes sense yeah yeah um yeah this is kind of why i like two more than three i think three just has too many levels like that like because three i think motorcycle levels like do you really need that yeah i kind of agree on that end but there's only like 30 something levels in the game why does three of them and then there's like two or three cat riding levels there's like two airplane levels you know that adds up yeah ends up taking up a lot of the real estate where i feel like better platforming levels could have been used i mean even if you want to count like if even if you want to count the boulder running towards the screen levels like in this game it's the dinosaur and you even have like i i think you even have two of those so yeah. You almost have, you know, I, I feel like that's like 30 or 40% of the levels are non-platformers. You're almost like up to half the game being a non-platforming level. It starts to like drift away from what, to me, the original vision of Crash Bandicoot should be to a certain extent. But I feel like we're getting a little deep into it. I kind of wanted to talk about the fact that for our playthroughs of this game this week, I played the original on the PlayStation 1, and then you had chose to play on the Insane Trilogy on chose. the computer. <laughs> I'm just playing it mildly. 
Um, I guess I'll let you lead off since you actually got to play the Insane Trilogy this week, and it's been a little while since I've gotten to play it. But personally, for me, I enjoy the original of this game in particular a lot better than what the Insane Trilogy did, and I think you kind of had the same opinion as well. Um, yeah. The Insane Trilogy um, is... A lot of people think that uh, it's harder when I played through it. It's I don't think it is. Um, I was able to get through the game relatively easily. Um, I don't know. There was a couple of hard jumps here and there, but I don't know. You don't get punished too hard for a game over anyways, so... Yeah, lives are pretty readily available in this game, especially. I feel like when I got through the first area of the game, I had 30 lives plus or something like that without even really trying. It was just, you know, the game is, it feels a little more catered towards a younger audience, especially. Maybe that's why I hold it so close to my heart because I played it at a very young age. I played all of them. At a young age, but I think this one resonated a little bit more with me at the time. But yeah, in terms of like the differences between the Insane Trilogy and Crash 3, to me, the mechanics on multiple levels are all just a little off. I think right away when you put up the Insane Trilogy, even outside of Crash 3, the jumping, and a lot of people have said this as well, not just me, feels a little more, a little less floaty. And it seems like your jumps are a little bit shorter, just like a tad. So you fall faster, it feels like, just by a tad. And then, like, it also feels like you don't jump quite as far. So you got to be just a little more precise with your jumps. And you have, like, a little less time to react to everything. And it kind of makes a big difference in terms of, like, making the experience a little more difficult. I wouldn't say that Crash 3 on the Insane Trilogy is difficult when you're doing a casual playthrough by any means. But I had tried 100%ing the Insane Trilogy version, and I think that's when people start to have the comparisons with Dark Souls because trying to do the time trials in this game is hell on earth. Every You know when I'm saying that the jumps are a little short and like everything's a little more... It seems... Everything just seems a little slower... You go on like the rails on uh, like the Arabian levels where you have to hang and, you know, go down like the hanging rails or whatever you want to call them. He like moves a little slower on them. Your jumps are a little shorter. Everything just seems a tad bit slower, but the time trial times are basically the same and like way more punishing from the original. So even just to get like there's achievements I wanted to get in that game where you had to at least get um, not just a basic relic. I think you had to at least get a gold because I think it's the basic gold and then platinum. You had to at least get a gold relic and even just getting the gold relics for me was taking me hours just to get a single gold relic on some of the levels. And those are just the platforming levels. I haven't even really gotten into the differences with the mechanics on the jet ski levels especially. The jet ski levels I think are probably the worst offender of the mechanics being very different from the original and the time being the same. Some of the time trials are borderline impossible to complete on the insane trilogy, just because they use the same time frame when the jet ski goes a lot slower 
and the movement of the jet ski is a lot more sluggish it's not as precise in its turns and stuff like that and honestly in the original version it wasn't very precise to begin with so like imagine how poorly the jet ski levels control in the original game even worse in the insane trilogy so I, um, yeah go ahead i wasn't able to uh get to the time trial part before we did this so i'm just gonna have to take your word for it i don't remember liking the original ones either for the time trials it just felt like padding the game length it really is to me too i much preferred the way crash bandicoot 2 did it where there aren't time trials at all and you kind of just try to find a bunch of hidden gems and stuff like that and like a lot of it was a lot of fun trying to discover new stuff yeah can also add something to the jumping um it's really hard for i think it was like difficult to tell your depth perception like you didn't know where you were going to land and that's why like i felt like i was getting a bunch of cheap deaths from falling even though i had like a mask or something that's where like most of my lives were lost was just falling to my death which is so weird because when i had played through the game i didn't have any problems with it but that's what i mean is when i played through the insane trilogy version i remember feeling the same way you felt kind of in the fact that there's just something a little off. Like the jumping was just not quite right. The depth perception was just not quite right. A lot of the controls on a lot of the levels are just like not quite right. Where for me, I just can't say that the insane trilogy version is like the definitive way to experience this game because I, I would say it maybe about crashes too in the first crash bandicoot, but it seemed like the third one was a bit rushed and the third one had probably the most mechanics in it that needed to be improved on like the motorcycle levels and the jet ski levels. But when you have a deadline and you spent most of your time fixing the first and second games, by the time you get to the third one, which needed probably the most fixing outside of the first game, but you got a deadline, you just kind of, you're just going to kind of go with like, all right, it's good enough. You know, it's close enough, basically. At least that's how it feels to me when I'm playing through it. I don't know if it kind of felt the same to you. Um, I don't really... The game, like, looked well-polished to me, like... Oh, it looks great. Don't get me wrong. The visuals are amazing in the Insane Trilogy version. That's one thing I will give it, is the visuals are probably the best visuals out of the three which is weird i'm just saying purely like the controls they just don't seem very as flushed out as they should have been oh yeah try playing it on a keyboard (laughs) yeah that is absolutely terrible i mean i I guess to stay on like the same topic i guess between the differences we could talk about the voice acting and music in the game I guess just like um, overall, I'll give like my thoughts on the voice acting and music. I love the music in this game. Do I think it's the best out of the whole trilogy? I would actually probably say Crash Bandicoot 2 has the better soundtrack, even though they're pretty similar. I don't think Crash Bandicoot games necessarily have like the most banger soundtrack of all time. A lot of the times. Works, baby. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the times they kind of just end up melding melting together into like the same noise one thing i will say about crash 3 compared to maybe 2 is crash 3 does a lot more with its music to create like an ambiance for whatever level you're playing in to me like every song in that game feels very fitted for the level 
where, insane. yeah, where, yeah, in other games, I don't know if it necessarily was like that, but I do um, absolutely love well, the music in this game. It feels like, like in the first two games, you were basically like in one place, like somewhere in like South America or something like that. I don't know. Whereas like you're going all over the world, so they needed to make music to like accommodate that. Yeah, and I think you could so definitely make more variety as a result. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also noticed that the um, Insane Trilogy, they kind of remixed it. And, well, I don't think the songs themselves are bad. I prefer the originals. Yeah, I don't really remember the remixed soundtracks, so you could probably talk about that more than I could. But I would probably be inclined to agree if I even remembered. But that's what I mean is, like, the, the fact that I don't even remember... The, f the differences in the soundtracks just kind of says it all because the soundtrack is good, but there's nothing about it that makes me be like, I need to go on YouTube right now and listen to this song on this level where there's some other games where I, I get in that mood where I am like, I'm really in the mood to listen to this song. I'm going to listen to the song on my way to work today or something like that. You get what I mean? You really listen to video game music on your way to work. Sometimes. I mean, there's some banger tracks out there, man. The Spiral <laughs> Dragon soundtrack and God the Donkey Kong Country soundtrack are great. It's relaxing almost. I think there's some tracks that are very relaxing and they're doing that like intentionally. If Do you get what I'm saying? So there's something about like the, the music in some games that's really relaxing. But Crash Bandicoot to me, just a lot of the times, a lot of the music melts together where the one the one up I'll give on Crash 3 is that at least it doesn't all sound the same. Like each song is very different. Although I do think that they reuse a lot of the same songs throughout the game. Like they will have two levels with the same theme and they'll just play the same song on both, which seems a little lazy, but I heard that this game was a bit rushed out the door as well. So that could be a reason why. Well, I mean the originals all came out within a year of each other. So yeah, and they were trying to do a lot of new stuff with this game, too. So I think that was kind of why it was, they were a bit on a time crunch. But I guess I'll also talk about, like, the voice acting in this game, too. Now, I know for a fact that the voice acting has changed in the Insane Trilogy. And there's something about the original game's voice acting that is just... It hits something in my brain cells that I just can't explain, like... The voice acting's really bad, but it's a bad that's good, if that makes sense. I'm, I think everybody has experienced what I'm talking about, where clearly these people, like the guy that plays Dingo Dial, for example, has no idea how to do like a real Australian accent. It's so hammed up, <laughs> but it's just uh, the way that they deliver the their lines. Yeah, it's just the way that they deliver their lines is so memorable and like it's funny in a way because it's so weird but it also builds like a lot of character the game is doesn't take itself too seriously at any point in time and it feels like the way the voice actors are delivering their lines they're not really taking it very seriously either so it comes off as a lot more lighthearted than what i feel like the insane trilogy voice acting does but you could probably talk more about the Insane Trilogy voice acting than I could, because I haven't really listened to it lately. Um, I mean, it was there are very few cutscenes in the game, so 
and it all sounded pretty close to the original from what I can remember. I mean, Crash 3 is just like a product of its time for voice acting. Like, they obviously didn't get it right yet. Like, very few games got it right at the time. And so, like, whenever you go back and visit, revisit these old games, like, obviously the voice acting just isn't in the quality that voice acting is today. Yeah, I guess that's just the main difference to me is it does seem like the voice actors are trying to give... I mean, okay, so Tiny Tiger is probably the best example of the voice actors sounding way different. Like, I can barely understand a single thing that the original voice actor for Tiny is saying, but there's something about the way he's delivering it that just, like, cracks me up, where in the new version, you can tell that these voice actors are very trained and experienced. Like, there's some budget behind it this time around. I actually understand him. Yeah, you, he's actually delivering the lines properly. Like, they should have been delivered. Like, I, I think that there's an argument here where you could definitely say that the Insane Trilogy version is a lot better. I just have maybe nostalgia for the original way that it was, you know, delivered in the old games because it just adds a little bit of charm to it for me. Just the whole, Just the whole way that everything is said and stuff. It's so messy that it... It just has a different flavor. It makes the game feel a little different, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I fucking crack up every time I hear, like, Resident Evil 1, like the original one. I'll never get tired of hearing that shit. <laughs> I think you feel the same way about Crash 3. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I guess we'll move on to, like, a lot of the common criticisms of this game, even though I do think we covered a decent chunk of it but a lot of the most common criticisms are obviously with the extra levels that they added into the game i've heard a lot of people that say that they really dislike the coco jet ski levels and they really obviously everybody hates the motorcycle levels everybody dislikes like the plane flying level my take on it is I actually really like, personally, the Coco Jet Ski levels in particular. I don't know why. I To me, the mechanics are really fun. I, I never really had too much of a problem controlling the jet ski, which I feel like is the main issue that people seem to have with it. But for me, like the water mechanics are just so good for the time. It's like wave race 64 we were talking about it on the last podcast the water physics were something like no game had ever done again. yeah it's like no game had PS1 ever done that keeps winning <laughs> um yeah i don't know i just had a lot of fun on in, in those levels in particular um did, i mean how did you feel about the extra games i thought the plane levels were fine I didn't ever had a problem with the plane ones. I was hoping but... about the plane levels. I don't know. I didn't really care for the plane. The motorcycle, I hated the motorcycle levels. The cat rides were fine. Um, what were the other special levels again? The jet ski, I, I thought those were fine too. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, some of my favorite levels in the whole game are actually the tiger riding levels. I really love um, both Express yeah, just, and Midnight Run, or Orient Express and Midnight Run. Um, well, I feel like just 
riding the tiger up the Great Wall of China. I don't know. There's something about that that just hits different. Yeah, I think um, I personally like the first iteration of it a little bit better than Midnight Run, but it's just really the mechanics on the tiger riding levels are so tight. And I think it's because they had already done this two times previous. Like, you had the hog riding level on the first Crash Bandicoot game, and then you had the polar bear riding level in the second. That by the time we got our third iteration, where it's Coco riding her pet tiger, like, the controls are just so, so tight and so fluid. Yeah, it's just... And especially when you want to speedrun the level, being able to press square to make the tiger charge faster and you're just sprinting through the level as fast as you can while dodging like a bunch of obstacles and trying to hit the... Um, trying to hit the boxes to lower the time is just really exhilarating, and I think that really it's just runners high, speed yeah. runners high. <laughs> it's just the uh, it's just the controls that make it all work. If the controls weren't as tight and good as they are in this third game, I don't know. It would feel like the to me the worst levels in the first two games are those riding levels. I hate the polar bear riding level. To me, they have, like, this black fog distance that's way too close, and they didn't, like, properly set it up. And it's got a lot of cheesy ways that they try to take you out where you'll, like, round a corner or something, and it'll be right in front of your face. And if you don't already know what's coming, it's going to be, like, a cheap death. And the original Crash Bandicoot did that with the Hog Wild levels as well. And it just seems like this game is just... They finally had it refined down to a science, and it's all skill... There's no cheap deaths in it, and it's just... It's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm i going to have to agree with you there. The fucking... Um, the cat rides are probably the best ones in the series. Um, Oh, would you count, like, the swimming levels as, like, special levels as well that aren't, like, platformers? See, that's, like... To me, that's an argument you can have... It's really weird because, to me, the tiger riding level and the hog riding level and the, well, I shouldn't say hog riding, motorcycle riding level, and the plane level are very specifically made to be, you know, mini game levels, if you will. Where I don't know the way that they set up the swimming levels is kind of strange. I guess I would call them an added. You know, you know, it's something that, Extra like, level, but... blew my mind. It's, like, they give you hints in the Insane Trilogy, which I don't think they should do. I think they should just leave it up to the player to figure it out. But something that I never realized is that you can um, press the jump button repeatedly and you go faster. Oh, like in the kick. underwater levels? Yeah. Yeah. I never fucking knew that. I was, like... I'm just coping, like, just pressing square to go faster the entire time. You know what's funny is somewhere deep in my brain, I remember pressing X to go faster, but I literally did the same thing the second play. Th- this time around, I pressed square to, like, spin past well, things to go is, faster. You're attacking <laughs> and you're going faster, and it takes less effort than mashing X. So why would you ever do it? Yeah... I mean, yeah, to me, uh, they are, 
I don't, I don't know I how to feel about them. I don't really like them either, but I also don't hate when them. you like get those weird fish looking like whatever they're called. Like I don't know, it's hard controlling them. You can't like point where you're aiming. Like turning around is like awkward. Yeah, it's know. all very sluggish and not very intuitive. I don't like the water levels. Yeah, they're the bandicoots can't swim anyway. What is he doing underwater? <laughs> exactly. If they go underwater at any other level, they die. That's true. Coco dies if she falls off her jet ski. You know what happens when Crash touches water? He dies. No more swimming levels. <laughs> I guess that kind of... I guess I'll lead that into the controls a little bit because... We were already talked about the differences between Insane Trilogy and Crash, uh, the original version, but I kind of wanted to just take a deeper dive into the really specific controls of the game because for me, controlling Crash is probably the best out of the whole series just because you do get a wide variety of power-ups from the bosses that add a little bit to your arsenal like the double jump and the super spin and stuff which adds a little bit extra mechanics to the game that the previous two didn't have crash controls largely exactly the same as he does in the second game but i don't know i guess for me the power-ups are a nice addition just so that there's a little extra mechanics that you can add into the game so that you can get to like secret spots and stuff like that. How do you, how did you feel about like the power ups and controls? I feel like they were overtuned. It like made the game a little easier. Like, why is there a bazooka in a platforming game? You know what I mean? Like, you can just shoot the enemies before you, you know, really have to deal with them. Like, you're not putting yourself in any danger. Um, I think this is a big reason why I think two is better than three. Actually, because um, two is um, it's more challenging. Like three, like I was able to beat it like when I was like a kid, whereas with two, like I was actually like, it actually challenged me as like a person and as a player. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Like I feel like there's just like enough, like stuff you can do anyways, like as Crash, like in the first. And at least in the second game, it feels like, I don't know, kind of a power creep, and they kind of went a little overboard with it. They didn't really have, like, the level design to accommodate this, like, new power that Crash has now. Like, you can sprint fast, like, shoot at everything, like, spin forever, and a double jump, you know? Yeah, it does seem like every boss giving you a power-up maybe was what... In like inevitably crutched the game i feel like they definitely had more in the in their pocket that they could have brought out in terms of levels that they could have created and added into the game i mean maybe every area could have had a couple extra levels or something it does just feel like there aren't really enough straight up crash levels just like how we talked about earlier and because of that every time you get a power up it does feel like you're just slowly becoming more and more overpowered and overtuned especially once you start returning to earlier levels older with, levels yeah it's just 
it, it's so much easier to go through. I mean, and I think there's a part of that is because of the time trial relics, which I really, really hate. I've always hated time trials, and I hate how high of a requirement the time trial relics are to get to unlocking further things in the game. I love the way Crash 2 did it, just like how we said earlier, where you just find secret gems and you unlock you know extra levels in the game, where in Crash 3, to get the extra levels, you have to do the time trials, and really you have to beat the entire game before you can even really attempt to do the time trials because of the sprint mechanic that you were talking about that I believe you get in the very last boss battle, which yes. to me is the game almost telling you don't even attempt the time trials until you've fully completed the game it's almost built so that you beat the whole game and then you unlock the extra stuff where in crash 2 you kind of could have unlocked what you wanted to unlock as you're going through the game you didn't need to beat the whole thing and then come back and do everything like all over again where in crash 3 that's essentially what they're making you do they want you to play every level beat the whole game get all the power-ups and then come back for the time trial relics and stuff like that and there's even levels where they force you to go back with like the rocket launcher and take out some nitro crates way off in the distance or something like that before you can get all the boxes in a level or find a secret gem so yeah to me it's just i i do like certain power-ups i like the double jump and i like the you know extra fast spin or whatever you want to call it i forget exactly what they call the double triple spin in this game um i think the spin like it just makes timing like hitting bad guys like easier whereas like you just push at any spun for like a second i guess from my perspective the enemies are kind of like really easy so it didn't really matter that you could spin extra i guess i just like the extra spinning because of the extra distance you can get to get to like far off platforms and stuff like that which is i don't know i guess it's kind of a fun mechanic to me because it's not that easy to control either but i don't know i guess like hitting it for the first time like a faraway jump was like nice and all but i don't know really what the spin does it just makes hitting bad guys easier it just like removes like the timing like requirement because you can just like spin as you're coming to him and then like hit him yeah i mean that's true i just do did kind of like it just because of the far off jumping and stuff but i guess on the same topic what did you think about the secret and hidden gems in this game did you manage to collect any of them or do you have any like recollection of the hidden gems at all uh i think i was able to get one and then i like went through it and then got, like, another gem, I guess. I um, think that this is a better uh, bad guy mask. The bad guy mask talked to me about how he can still conquer the world with all the gems. I don't know, it kind of bugged me. Now I have to freaking go back and get all the gems now, and that's going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, that's true, too. Is you don't even get, like, the right ending until you basically beat the game again i, I guess Dude, i want to see baby cortex and baby uh what was his name entropy pulling on the stupid bad guy mask you need to get a comeuppance where's my good ending <laughs> i i do kind of like having two different endings but it does feel like 
padding. I like I like having a better ending f- for like the time invested, but I hate when like the original ending when you just beat the game is basically a slap in the face. And there's a lot of games that have done this, and I don't think they have ever really worked for anybody, including me. I don't really like getting slapped in the face at the end of the game when I just sat all day playing it, and then I'm like, oh, so you're telling me I need to do even more so I can actually get a decent ending. Thanks. It's like that one uh, Ghosts and Goblins game. I have to beat it again? Come on. Yeah, it's just, it is padding, and I think that also is just, like, what I was talking about earlier, and what you said about the game, how it was, like, really fast and easy, is I'm pretty sure the developers knew how fast and easy it really was, so they add a lot of extra padding in this game that, there was padding, I won't even call it padding, but there was a lot more to do in Crash 2, for example, with collecting all the hidden gems and stuff, but I thought that there was a lot of content in that game where it was kind of hard to sit and just beat it all in one day but i didn't have a struggle with this one at all when it came to finishing the game in one day so oh no i beat it in a day as well it yeah was... i mean i definitely could also beat crash 2 in a day don't get me wrong it's not like the time difference is that drastic but crash 2 definitely takes me longer to get through than crash 3 does and like i said i, I really think the developers knew that so they try to get every like square inch of real estate that they can possibly get out of each level they designed in this game and some of the levels really really start to wear on you and i think that that's where a lot of the problems really really start to surface is when you have to do like the hog riding game three different times so that you can get all the boxes on beat it one time then get all the boxes a second time then the third time try to beat the time trial like and with how frustrating it already is just to go through it normally beating it having to go back and do all the extra stupid stuff that you need to do just so that you can get some of the extra levels and get a proper ending at the end of the game makes all the bad levels more of a thorn in your side than what they would be if they were just a one-off thing you know what i'm saying i'm not looking forward to those motorcycle levels again just beating them was a pain in the ass and now you're like asking me to go out of my way to collect the boxes, even though it's like, it's like the silver coins in Diddy Kong Country. Just don't need them, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're trying to do this and worry about the race. Like it's so hard. So I do know one trick for doing the bike riding levels. If you want to get all the boxes as easy as possible, you literally just start the level and just sit and wait and then you drive like as slowly as possible you'll lose the race but you'll be able to get all the boxes and you'll get the gem and then you can just leave the level without ever beating it that's what i always do yeah you don't need to like you just let the drivers race to the end you just sit and wait for them to race to the end and then you just drive really slow make sure you hit all the boxes and then end the race and you'll still get the silver gem i didn't know that do you yeah. cross the finish line or yeah you still have to cross it but you just get the gem and then leave oh i didn't know that well i guess it's gonna be easier now <laughs> yeah i mean the fact that you even have to cheese the game like that though is just like i think it just shows how poorly designed those bike levels really are 
I just absolutely hate the bike levels. There's nothing redeeming about them whatsoever. They're just awfully designed. And Well, I mean, Crash looked cool on that cover with those sunglasses. Yeah, for sure, and his bazooka. <laughs> oh, yeah! Yeah, definitely worth the uh, awful gameplay. Nine days! <laughs> Sold some Dude, good merch, too. Harley Davidson, even though those bikes are so uncool. I used to actually have an action figure um, of Crash Bandicoot on the motorcycle, and it had a ramp that you could... Do you remember the old... Did you, you feel know, cool? It was pretty dope. <laughs> but do you remember, like, the old race car things where you could, like, put it on a ramp and you could, like, pull back on a lever and it would rev it up, kind of? You get what I'm saying? Like, it would build power. And then you would press a button and it would release and it would fly off. That was what it was. It was you would put it on this ramp and you would rev it up and then you'd let it go and you could set up this little box out of cardboard and it would smash through the box and you could put like little stuff in the box and, and whatnot. It was, it was a pretty cool action figure actually. I had one for the swimming levels too, but funnily enough, that's cool. Well, no. Funnily enough, the swimming level one is not built for the bathtub, and its arms and legs fell off when I brought it into the tub with me when I was a kid, so. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty tragic. Those figures are worth, like, $100-plus nowadays. <laughs> Just destroyed them as a kid. How could you? I know. It's so sad. I mean, I gave away all my bionicles to my stepbrother, and now they're worth so much money, and now I'm just kicking myself now. <laughs> But yeah, I think we're on the topic of controls. We got a little a little off topic there for a second. So I, I'm going to pull it back a little bit because I think the topic of controls to me is more um, the mechanics of how things work. And like, I'm going to go back to the bicycle levels because and this is going to be the last thing I'll say about it is the turning on that motorcycle is terrible. Just the the whole mechanics on that motorcycle is just absolute dog water. I don't it's so hard to make like a really precise turn it's hard to dodge obstacles it's hard to hit boxes i don't know did you have the same experience in your playing yes i did um it's kind of hard to like let go of uh the accelerator when you're turning because obviously you want to go fast even then i don't know you're just gonna veer off the road it's just so frustrating yeah, he's like he sometimes doesn't know whether he wants to do like the sliding turn or like a normal turn too, which can really mess me up. It's like if you're turning for a, a second and a half, then he'll do like a sliding turn, which is more, you know, it turns harder. But if you are only turning a little bit, then he won't do it. I, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like the level design doesn't accommodate like the controls. I feel like they just designed the levels. And then designed the uh, motorcycle controlling itself. Yeah. And not how, the other way around, like it how, should be. How did you feel? Well, actually, you were talking about the underwater levels of the control, so I guess that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up. But moving on from the motorcycle stuff, I just thought that the underwater levels are probably the second worst controlling levels in the whole game. I hate trying to pilot crash underwater. It's super frustrating. He's really floaty and it's almost like they try to make it too accurate to actually being in the water because it almost feels like when you're moving forward and you want to stop 
he doesn't just stop on a dime. He kind of floats forward a little bit with the momentum, and it, like, will fuck me up so many times because I'll want to stop to not hit something, and I'll, like, float just a little extra forward, or the thing will float a little further towards me, and then it'll hit me and I'll die because everything in Crash is a one-hit kill without the without the mask. Um, I feel like if you were just able to hold, like, the button instead of having to mash it, I think it'd be a little better. I think it's kind of like one of those things where they like tried to copy the way Super Mario did it and like 64 and they just didn't get quite get it right. Yeah, and Mario 64 swimming isn't really the greatest thing in the world either. <laughs> I would actually probably I think it's a lot better than Crash 3. Ugh, like, I don't know. Long, you know the timing like I think it's pretty good. I almost would rather take Crash 3 to a certain extent. I like the way Okay, I think this is the level design thing again, like what you were talking about. To me, I think the mechanics are really solid. The the physics are really solid, I should say, not the mechanics. The physics are really, really good. It's almost too realistic for its own good because the level design does not accommodate how overly realistic some of the like some of the yeah mechanics are for it. It just makes it really hard to control. And I'm like, I don't want to play a swimming sim. I'm trying to play Crash. Why is it so freaking hard to pilot this guy underwater? Yeah, they probably should have just, stuff. They probably should have just like simplified the controls or something. It shouldn't be too difficult to pilot like like you're playing a platforming game. Like how many buttons do you need? Yeah, I mean I don't even think it's just the buttons. I just think it's how floaty it is underwater. And like I said, it should be floaty. It's underwater, right? But I just feel like you got to make it a video game still, you know, it's got to be fun to control. And I just think they kind of missed the ball where it's like a little too overly floaty and realistic and not enough like a video game because it's just impossible to pilot them. Although one thing I will say about the underwater levels is I do really love that little, I don't know what you grab onto down there, that little weird jet ski fishy thing. I, I always thought it was a fish. I think it's probably something else that you can shoot rockets and stuff out of. It makes me feel like super powerful every time I grab it and I'm just blowing everything up on screen. Um I mean, we talked about this like earlier, but it's kind of clunky to control, but yeah, it does like feel nice to like defend yourself from a distance, I guess. I don't really remember talking about this particular guy earlier, but regardless, yeah, I just really liked controlling that dude the only thing i hated about it is that it goes forward no matter what so whenever you need to dodge something you kind of have to like shift forward and back forward back forward back and like wait for an opening and then you can go it's really hard to yeah like you said it's really hard to just control i think it's intentional because it's so op that if it was really easy to control then the level would be too easy to get through and i i kind of get that but the second you get hit while you have it and you don't have it anymore, if you, especially if you're going for all the boxes to get the silver gem, you might as well start the whole level over. Yep. Well, there's no way to get through. One's in the seaweed or whatever it is. Like on the floor. Yeah, exactly. You need so, the thing to blow it up. And that just is like, it's kind of just bad level design to me when you start doing stuff like that because most levels don't require you to start the whole thing over for you to get all the boxes if you make a mistake and miss a box. But I just. Uh, there's a couple instances where that happened to me, like in other levels, where like I messed up. I'm like, oh shit. 
Yeah, and it's like I, the. And then I'm going through the portal. It's like eighty out of eighty-one, and I just want to freaking blow my brains <laughs> out. Yeah, I. It's like the motorcycle riding levels really bad at this, and so are the underwater levels. I, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's all there is to say about it. You basically have to start the level over again just so that you can get all the boxes on those levels, like, in a lot of different instances. If you make even a single mistake, that it just starts to get really grating, and I just don't like it. Like, compared to Crash 2, Crash 2, I feel like you can get the silver gem outside of like some niche instances where there's boxes hidden behind secret doors and gems and stuff like that you can just get the silver gem first time through every time but this game like man it's really hard to get the silver gem on some of these levels the first time through yeah i mean there's some that are like really easy like you just see all the boxes and you get them but there's some where like they like try to deliberately hide them like they obviously want to make them like harder to get, so you spend more time playing the game. Yeah, for sure. And like having like a fail state to where you have to collect them all over again, like that's even more time. Yeah. It like harks it harkens back to like how video games were designed like in the nineteen eighties where um like, the games aren't too long, so they need to stretch it out as much as possible by making them hard. Like, even if, like, it's not designed well enough. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, really how Crash 3 feels for most people, not just us. Is The game intentionally makes things harder than it should be and adds, like, just seemingly cheap deaths and you know just instances in the game where you make one little dumb mistake at like the very end of something and then nope can't get the silver gem anymore it's more of like and i get that it's a completionist thing right the game on its own perfectly fine all that stuff isn't a problem but the fact that there's so much content hidden behind 100 completing the game and really you're not getting a full package of 100 completing it kind of forces you into trying to get all the boxes on levels and forces you into doing the time trials and then that's where all the padding is added is when you're trying to do all that stuff and yeah it definitely does harken back to like design from the 19 late 1980s where it's a short game but you know the price sticker needs to keep you occupied for what you paid so and they make it unreasonably difficult so that it takes you as long as possible to get through the game I will say, like, looking at it through, like, a lens of, like, you're coming out of, like, Blockbuster with this game in your hand, it does give you, like, your money's worth. Yeah, I think back in the day, if I would have rented it, I would have been really happy with being able to I'd play. I'd rent it again. And, yeah, <laughs> play and beat the game in a sitting, and then, like, maybe wanting to go back to get all the secret stuff later on and renting it a second time. It almost is built for that kind of scenario, right? Because you can definitely beat the game in a sitting, and that's like your first night of the rental, right? It's like you rent it. You maybe your parents are like, okay, you can rent it for tonight, and we'll watch a movie or something, and then tomorrow we're we're returning them or something. And you can beat it within that night for sure, but then you get like the oh, half-assed I mean, ending, and then you got to bring it back. 
I don't know, like, there's some, like, who, I mean, it depends on, like, the family, too. Like, some, like, let you keep it for, like, the weekend. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I just remember when I used to, once in a while, rent a game, it was always, it was usually only for a single day, and then I had to bring it back. But, yeah, and then, you know, you got the fake ending. You want to, you got to bring it back the next thing. You're like, come on, Dad, can I just have, like, two more days with it or something? And then, all right, here's another two days on the rental take it back home and you start doing all the secret stuff like that's what i that's what i get out of it but you know experiencing it outside of you know the scope of when it was released it has probably aged i shouldn't say it's aged the poorest just because the first crash bandicoots aged so badly but even when you look at the insane trilogy where they fix a lot of this poorly aged mechanics and just you i know, mean the it remastering it right it's not like a full-blown remake so they're basically like making the same game yeah and i would say in terms of all three remasters especially if i'm gonna look at just the three games on their own and like their best quote-unquote best versions crash 3 probably ages the worst in terms of its content and just the way it's structured out of all three games I do think two is the best one, like both in both cases, like in the original and in the Insane trilogy. I can um, get behind people that feel like it is the best. I think it's just my nostalgia always brings me back to three. When I think about, if I'm sitting there and I'm like, I really want to play a Crash Bandicoot game, I can't say that two is the best game when I consistently will go back and play three every time I think about going back and playing a Crash Bandicoot game. You know what I mean? I mean, I do, it's preference, really. I mean, like, if people like Crash 3 more, like, I do see their arguments why. I think I just like, like some not, of the level. It's not really, like, a concrete thing. Like, two is definitively the best one. Right. I, I think... I can get behind people saying it's like a better game on paper. I think I just like the charm of three more. I think when I think about all the cutscenes in between levels and stuff like that and the world building, the it kind of does. Yeah. It's really dumb and it's so small and there's not a whole lot of them, but you get none of that in crash Two. crash Two is like, here you are, go catch gems for cortex. And I'm like, I thought the cortex was a bad guy and I don't understand anything about the story. Well, I'm just I mean, doing you stuff. have those holograms where Cortex is like, find the crystals. Yeah, I Coco's guess to me... Like, try to the, talk to you, which you can't. Yeah, I, as, I guess as a younger kid, as an adult, I get it now, but as a younger kid, I didn't understand what was going on with those holograms. Well, like, didn't you, like, see the opening cutscene where it was like, well, if we can't find any friends to get all the crystals for us, Maybe we need enemies. Yeah, I'm implying Crash Bandicoot. I did, but I guess maybe it's just that voice asking again, where I could barely understand what they were even saying half the time to even like interpret what was going on. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. It's just um, it's strange. But yeah, I don't know. I just like the I just like the characters and the bosses are also really really random in. Crash 2, I don't really remember any scenes in particular where they even talk to you at all. And it's kind of good to me to have the bosses, you know, jab you a couple times before you gotta 
battle it because it, it adds some hype to it, especially as a kid. Like I don't get hyped up for the bosses anymore because I know how easy they are in all actuality. But like, yeah, when I have to, uh, when I'm going, when as a kid when I'm going through the game, it just you know gets me all pumped up. I'm like, oh my god. He like wants to kill me. Okay, here we go. We got to fight the boss and my palms are sweating and I don't know. I just never got that feeling with Crash 2. The bosses were all so easy. It's unreal. The bosses in all Crash games are easy. Like in 3, <laughs> like, oh my god, tiny. I guess no I should talk about Dingo. the bosses. You can literally, you literally cheese Dingo. There's a way to do it. Yeah, I decided not to on this playthrough, even though I know that there is. But it's a lot more fun to not cheese him. <laughs> I do know that you can just jump into the thing and just, like, pound his ass. But... Pound his ass. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... But, yeah, so... I, I think the bosses in this game are... Oh, man, maybe this... Is. Maybe this is a stretch, but I think even though the boss battles aren't great, they're probably the best set of boss battles in the trilogy. I know I'm stretching here a little bit because they're all kind of bad. But honestly, there's a lot more going on in most of these boss battles than any of the other games ever have going on for them. Um, I think they're all, like, around the same. I don't know. It's, like... If I see a boss, I can probably tell which game it's from, and they're there. They need boss battles to, like, break pace of the game, so. I mean, to me, the best... To me, the best boss battles in Crash 2 are the first two, and they're not even that good. But then, like, okay, compare, like, the Komodo... What are they called? Komodo Joes or something like that. The two snakes in Crash 2 that you have to fight against where... It's literally probably the easiest boss in the entire game. And then, like, compare that with the Entropy fight or something like that. I just feel like it's an Eon better. Even though the Entropy fight's still really easily... It's really easily. It's still really easy. At least you have to dodge his laser beams as he's going through. There's some platforming to get over and hit him. You know what I mean? It... it it poses some sort of there's a thought process to how the boss fight goes where some of the boss fights in like crash two and crash one it just seems like hey this is a dude that spins around in circles you hit him a couple times and he dies or okay this guy's gonna throw swords and then he'll stop throwing swords and then you just hit him and he dies you know what i mean like especially like my favorite one in this game in particular is dingo dial and I just think that it's really interesting to have the boss try to shoot at you and he is breaking through his own like glass barrier that's separating you two and they need to run in there and hit him and then you know his backpack's about to blow up so you're panicking because if he didn't destroy enough of his wall it's really hard to get out of so you're like freaking out you're like oh my god I gotta get out of this wall holy crap. I mean, obviously, you you can get out of there almost every time, but I don't know. It just adds more tension, and I just never got In any kind of feeling like that. I can see it, yeah. Like, if you're playing it for the first time and you don't know how to cheese them, you can see it happening. Yeah, I just think there's like, more... Process. I just think that there's more going on in these fights, at least, compared to any of the other games. There's more commentary going on with the boss and Crash, 
there's some actual like thought process for how the boss battle should like play out and how you're gonna beat them there's just like good ideas here like i think the probably on paper best boss fight in the whole game is the engine fight where you're kind of playing like what is it like a star fox clone almost and like shooting out all of his stuff i think that's a really great boss fight Yeah, it just reminds me of a Star Fox boss fight, like a poor man's version of it. Very poor. <laughs> yeah, um I think why I think the best boss fight is probably just the last one against uh Cortex. Like you have to actually like hit him into the hole. And then yeah, it's pretty challenging. About, and then you have to like worry about the two masks that are like fighting each other while you're fighting Cortex, which I think is like a nice touch. It definitely is the first, the best final boss fight out of the entire trilogy by a country mile. I don't think it's even close. The final boss fight in Crash 2 is a joke, and the final boss battle in Crash 1 is also a joke. Do you remember the final boss battle in the first Crash? The first one? I haven't played the first one. So basically, he rides on a hoverboard above you, and he shoots down balls that are really, really slow, and you can spin the purple balls at him to hurt him, and you can't spin the green ones. So you spin the purple ones like three times, and then that's it. Red light, green light. And the second one is just you chasing him like through the space, right, with the jetpack. Yep. Which yeah, poses actually no challenge. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like the third one's definitely the best one. Like you're actually fighting him and stuff. I kind of wish, like, the final boss, like, had more f more to it, but whatever. I feel like we've definitely gone through our criticisms quite a bit. So I kind of want to close out any last thoughts you might have on anything you didn't like about the game. Like, maybe a least favorite level or anything else that you can think of. Least favorite levels. I think I already talked about it, like the motorcycle ones I didn't care for, like, uh, the one where you need to use the light, like the last one before the final boss, I didn't care for that one either. I think it's oh really, I actually liked that one quite a bit, It uh, it's a lot like the one in Crash 2, I guess it, the what I don't like about it was when I had to get all the boxes, it was a bit frustrating to try to get all the boxes. Yeah, the like just beating it's but... fine, but like, going back and trying to like actually do something there, I can, s I'm not looking forward to doing that. Getting the yeah. time trial relic isn't too bad on that one, though. Finding the boxes, that's going to be a pain in the ass. That, that's probably the worst part about that level, yeah. I'm kind of in, That's kind of interesting that that was your least favorite. I mean, my least favorite levels I was talking about earlier, it's the scuba levels. I, I kind of actually find the motorcycle levels, the first two at least, for the most part, to be relatively inoffensive. I can usually beat it after a, you know two or three tries, and then I have that cheesy strat to get all the boxes. And then honestly, to get the uh, the time trial relic, you can do the same strat. So you let all the racers go, and then you just grab the clock so that the time trial starts. And then you can just hit all the boxes freely without cars being in your way, and then you can beat the time trial that way. So 
as bad as those levels are, they're relatively inoffensive where everything about the scuba levels to me is so annoying. It's so annoying. It's especially terrible trying to get the time trial relics. It's super bad even just on your first playthrough. The yeah, controls aren't very good. It's really hard. It. Yeah, and then like when you're going through, the controls just aren't doing any favors. So, you know, you're trying to go fast, like Sonic fast, and you just end up running into a bunch of crap because there's a million obstacles in those levels that you have to try to dodge through. And it's really hard to try to do like pinpoint dodging. It's near impossible. So... Yeah, to me, just the scuba levels overall are the worst. It's like the worst time trials are the scuba levels. It's super annoying to get the uh, boxes in deep trouble, especially because there's a hidden gem that you need to get. And there's like a bunch of dumb BS you need to do with the rideable creature that you use here with the rockets to get the secret gem and all the boxes, which just is a super stupid experience it's i forget exactly what y'all have to do because it's been a little while but i just remember it being like really terrible it's to get the red gem in specific but yeah i mean that's all i gotta say about those levels if i were to pick something that was like a real crash level that was my least favorite it's probably what is it called tomb waiter i didn't really like that level in terms of like a pure crash level that again i know it's like the egypt one but yeah it's the one where the water levels lower and rise like all the time um i didn't mind that one like i don't try doing the time trial oh yeah yeah it's one of the worst time trials in the game i swear i i absolutely hated doing the time trial on it also to me it's just like a little counterintuitive to the way crash plays like he's not really I don't know. To me, Mario and stuff like that are a bit slower in terms of platforming. I always feel like Crash was kind of like you're running around, going fast, spinning stuff, finding secrets. Like, it feels like... Like Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, it's just... It feels like that's the way you want to play. I just kind of hate having to wait for water levels slower and rise. It just seems like a really lazy mechanic because a a lot of games do it where it's like okay now you got to wait for the water level to go down before you can continue and it's just like a patience thing but i don't know i guess maybe i'm just impatient it's just like really dumb just to make you stand and wait for a water level to to lower and i think you'll see in a lot of game design today that you don't see levels that do stuff like that that are just like okay here you go players sit and wait green light yeah, I mean, it's just like you said earlier with one of the other levels. It's basically what it is. Red light, green light gameplay, except like, you know, in other instances, it could be done kind of okay with enemies and stuff and be interesting. But when it's just a water level that rises and lowers, you're basically just, okay, I just stand here. Okay, I can go. I don't know. It's just really dumb. It's kind of annoying to get all the boxes in that level too, actually. So, if I were to say my least favorite straight crash level, it's probably that one. Even though I really like the pun that they're doing because of Tomb Raider. They're calling it Tomb Waiter. <laughs> I wish I was able to play that game. I understand why you don't want to do that one, though. Hey, man. It's just hard. Honestly, the PS1 port of Tomb Raider is terrible. <laughs> I, I don't know how anybody can play those ports. <laughs> but... All right, let's actually move on to some positive stuff. 
about Crash 3 because I feel like we've been dogging it for an hour 15. Yeah, disclaimer, this is a great game. I know we're like micro-critiquing it and stuff like that, but I mean, I guess it's a great said... game. Buy it with the $40 I bought my Crash with. Hey, man, you got two other Crash games, too. Worth. I know. Good but... value. <laughs> um, Did you have any... So what were your like favorite parts of the game? Just overall? Um, like, the raw platforming levels, like, those were all great. Like, it's just, like, as good as, like, the other Crash games. Like, the night levels, the Arabian levels, the Egyptian ones. Do you have a favorite set of levels? I mean, they all play pretty similarly. Like, the only difference is, like, the aesthetic of it all. Like, the futuristic ones are another one. I actually so, I guess like it, like, depends. So, I guess it just depends on, like, which setting you like best, you know? Well, for there, me, you, it's, there you go. What's your favorite setting? For me, it's probably the Arabian ones. Feels like, uh, I feel like I'm a Prince of Persia, but a bandicoot. What about you? Yeah, my favorite level... I mean, I think it's the same thing. I, it's the Arabian levels. They're just... Um, They're too iconic and memorable to not like. I know. And they have, like, the best secrets and stuff, like... Yeah, they really oh. do have the best secret parts in them, too. I guess if I were to have to pick one Fun that fact, wasn't the same as you... You can bazooka the guys that are throwing fire at you. Yes. Oh my gosh. It makes that level so much easier to go through when you, when you get the bazooka. I'm not going to lie. You can literally shoot those guys in the face. That's actually so crazy. I never knew that until now. I was like, hmm, can I shoot these guys? Whoa. I'm shooting the f monkeys, the guys on the carpets. Jesus. Yeah, if I were to pick, like, my second favorite that wasn't, it'd probably be, like, the futuristic levels at the very end of the game. I think they have, like, a really good mix of challenge up to that point in the game. It kind of tries to take all of your skills and uh, build up into, like, that very, the very last set of levels in the game. And I just like the yeah. theme, too. It's just a fun theme to play around with. A lot of games don't try to go with, like, a futuristic level, and especially Crash Bandicoot never had before that point. A lot of levels, especially in the old games, are just, like you said, some jungle setting. And in this game, they were kind of branching out. But even when they branched out, a lot of it was more, you know, just like old-timey, I don't know, desert thing. Like, I don't know, more sand and dirt in the medieval ones and a lava world. But I don't know. It was kind of cool to see Crash go to a more, like, futuristic setting. Because, well, I guess they kind of did it in the um in crash 2 a little bit with like some of those steam levels at the very end of the game but it wasn't like a strictly like futuristic world or something they're actually being plumbers unlike mario <laughs> i PS1 suppose wins again. <laughs> ps1 always winning keeps on winning um add to that really yeah I mean I think maybe we've really run the game dry at this point 
I really thought that maybe we could stretch out a full two hours out of this guy, but I guess not, you know? <laughs> How long do we go? It's been an hour 20 so far. Well, I guess you can kind of wrap it up here then. Do you have any final parting thoughts about uh, about the game design or levels or anything like that? Or Um... We took a dump on it for an hour and a half, but it really is a good game. Uh, I recommend anyone who, you know, hasn't really grown up with this game to buy it and play it. You will enjoy it a lot. I yeah, do I think it's one of the better PS1 games out there. And, you know, I think it's a masterpiece and um, enjoyable for most ages. Yeah, like, I think this game is easily like a nine out of ten like, for me. It's one of my favorites, like ever. I feel like this is like something that I would like hand down to my kids or something one day. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a, to me the Crash Bandicoot series in its entirety is kind of like a timeless classic. Like I think anybody can pick it up and play Crash. I think that's the mass appeal to Crash Bandicoot is that it's so accessible, and this game in particular is probably the most accessible out of all three. Even though, like, and I think that's a little bit of its downfall, too. But if I were to have my kids start out with a Crash game, I think I'd have them start with I'd this third one before moving three, on to the others. Yeah. Which, I mean, says something, you know, good about it in a different aspect. Is like, maybe us as adults have grown out of some of the more childish, less fleshed-out levels. Like the, you know, bike-riding level and the plane-riding levels and stuff. But... You know, as a kid, I just thought those levels were awesome. I thought it was so cool riding a motorcycle. Like, it's, it yeah. sounds really dumb, but, like, it, it works a lot better as a kid than it does when I'm, an, when I'm an adult. Yeah, I'm, like, looking at this, like, maybe, like, a little too narrowly. Like, maybe I should have read it, like, through the lens of, like, someone who's, like, eight or nine playing this for the first time. But um, I do, I still, I did still enjoy it mostly when I was playing through it, revisiting it. I do yeah. think it's still a fun for all ages kind of game. Yeah, for me, it's. I do think it's still I got, my like, favorite. I do think I'm probably gonna get like most of my money's worth out of the forty dollars of the insane trilogy. I mean, yeah, the games are just excellent, <laughs> excellent masterpieces. Each one of them. But yeah, I think as an adult who wants more challenge, I would lean towards Crash Two. If you're looking for a more casual playthrough where you're just kind of going through a game and having fun, I Crash Three is the more fun experience and i i'm using fun in a way that might not make a whole lot of sense but fun as in it is just like your brain can kind of shut off and you can kind of just run through the game and enjoy yourself where yeah, crash like bandicoot yeah crash bandicoot 2's fun is more of overcoming challenges and finding secrets and stuff and don't get me wrong there's great secrets in crash 3 too and there is challenge if you want to get the time trial relics, but the challenge is cheap in Crash 3, where the challenge in the other games is, is very different. Um, yeah, and I think that kind of surmises basically all of Crash 3. It's an excellent game to play through. It's not so excellent to 100% complete, and the addition of the time trial relics to me is a big mistake, and I wish that they would have just continued on with, you know, the secret gems and micro challenges and the bonus levels and stuff like that um yeah that's uh yeah i don't 
I don't really like care for game padding either. I think Crash 2 had it a little bit better than 3 in that regard as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that'll call this episode. I appreciate everybody listening, and we will see you next week with another episode of the podcast. I'm hoping it'll be Final Fantasy IX, but uh, don't hold your I breath this time too, around. Yeah. <laughs> All right, see you guys next week.